Welcome for Outlander Season 1, Episode 10, By the Pricking of My Thumbs, I'm Don Bitters. And I'm Nick Stone. And this is Gaelic Guys, an Outlander podcast where we watch Outlander, drink scotch, and let you know our terribly uninformed opinions about both. This week we're once again joined by the talented and wonderful writer Katie Johnson from the from USA Network's Shooter. I just can't stay away. Y'all know how I love to give my opinion. Their opinions are terribly uninformed. My opinion might be slightly inflated about how good I think it is. So, you be the judge. Tweet at us. Let us know. So, anyway. uh, we opened the episode with quite possibly the most enthusiastic cunnilingus I've seen on TV in a while. Yeah. Yes. On uh, non-extra premium channels. Yeah, just on regular good old-fashioned cable some interesting angles here i've got to admit yeah he's is, doing like a side thing it's kind he's, of a side thing yeah they little, call it the scottish he's swish side saddle i would say yeah you know? well she's riding side saddle <laughs> you know what i mean yes i guess that's true he's the saddle yeah. he's yeah. yeah or he's Fact. the stallion so yeah so jamie yes. is performing a very intense out of Clonalingus upon Claire. Which he is enjoying just as much as she is. Yes, and I think that, as we discussed earlier, this is like, we feel like this is possibly in there intentionally to make up for just how awful of a character he was the previous episode. If you missed the previous episode, you can go listen to that one. We definitely take Jamie and the show to the mat on how awful he is. Yeah, honestly. Uh, so I beat you with a belt last episode, but now I'm going down on you. Like it's me again? Fine. He's eating her out like it's the last supper to make up for it, and we're okay with that. <laughs> uh, also, if uh, I don't know if DJ Khaled is still going to be topical by the time this comes out, but the internet lost its mind uh, because he said that he feels entitled to his wife performing oral sex on him, but does not feel the need to reciprocate because, quote, he is the king. And a lot of people had a lot of things to say about that, including... And I will say, like, this show, when they, the yeah. one time they had Claire, like, actually perform yes. fellatio on him was something where, like, he was like, oh, what's this? Oh, oh, this is, <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. Yeah, it was very much her being the sexual expert and the more informed party and kind of showing him the road, like, taking it out for a test drive and being like, look at what I can do. It was very, it was not her being in any sort of subservient position. Oh, no, no, no. Claire is definitely in control of this. Yes. <laughs> like, sexual relationship, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong if, if you're stubby. That's cool. That's totally cool. Well, it's not only that, though. It's that whole, like, born sexy yesterday trope where Jamie's yes. just like wide-eyed beautiful young ignorant thing right. I'm so glad you brought up born sexy yesterday if you guys don't know what we're talking about watch that YouTube video because it is a terrible trope and it's way overused but I will give these writers credit with Jamie's born sexy yesterday which he absolutely does have but he is that does not become a transferable skill in his bedroom skills as we saw in the wedding episode mm. uh, because Lightning McQueen is a bit of a well, Quick draw, McGraw. (laughs) Fastest gun in the West over here. Yeah, who who doesn't understand even like positions or like lady orgasms or really anything. So at least they are, you know, they don't make him some sort of like sexual mind reading dynamo for lack of a better word. Well, until now. Until now, until now. Well, yeah. he's. But I mean, they've been together for a little bit. That's you know? true. That's true. She's, she's had time she's to train him. him. She's had time to push his head down. Maybe. So, so yeah. the wonderful Kundalingus is interrupted by, of course, Marta. We're going to talk about the rest of the episode. We're not just going to do this We've whole thing. We just spent, I think, five ep- about minutes eating on pussy? that. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, I we mean, can get back to it. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> so we'll talk about the rest of the episode. It's fine. Murtaugh shows up uh, with news that 
Lord Sandrum is a potential route for Jamie to get his name cleared. Right. He arrives with the most insistent knocking anyone has ever started. Like, you know, normally you knock you knock once and you wait. <laughs> Not Murta. He's in there. Murta has no sense of subtlety. No. He's a cock blocker. For oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, he's not wingman. He's cock blocker. Yeah. Well, and then, Captain like, so, sort of a weirdly, like, self-aware cock blocker, because he comes in the room, he's like, oh, I hope that your husbandly duties haven't made you weak and tired or whatever. And then he looks in the bed at, like, Claire in the middle of her afterglow and realizes, oh, no, that's really what was happening. Well, I'm sorry. And then he just, like, goes, mm. So we learn that the Lord Sandgram could find a way to get Jamie's name cleared. But Claire, of course, we knows that Black Jack Randall, BJR. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> is, of course, as Claire knows that BJR is a spy for the Duke. Warns Jamie, but of course Jamie, being Jamie, and, you know, born sexy yesterday, decides, oh no, but this is still a great opportunity. Well, and also Claire knows this because... Captain Mansplain in the past. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just yeah the it's a bit tropey and you can kind of see the writing where she's like, I remember this one time my husband said a thing. Whoosh! Back to the past. Oh no past. no, did we haven't even gotten to that yet? They yes. haven't yet cut back to the same scene where like eighty percent of the exposition for season one happened yeah. in front of Claire while she was having tea and probably not listening to her husband blather on about Scottish history, but remembers every detail. So Jamie and Murtaugh go down to talk to Cool Uncle Ned. About the plan of like, how can we do anything with Sangria, Sandringham? Yeah, Sangri- yeah Sangria. Sa- sangria Ham. <laughs> the Duke yes. of Sangria. Yeah. The du- Duke of Sangria. He's Spanish yeah. and has a good time. <laughs> yes, he's very foppy, as we've discussed. Yes. Find out that there's not much hope for this if at all BJR is in Sangria's pocket, except that BJR might be the weak link. That if they can convince the Duke to turn, o- turn on BJR. That there's a route for them to get still to, which is honestly, even as I'm listening to this, I'm like, this is a goddamn convoluted plan. Oh man, like Ned here is, it, you, you listen to him and you almost fall asleep listening to it as an audience member. I can't imagine as theoretically a un, completely uneducated 19th century Scots person listening to like, oh, if we write a petition of complaint, then wherein it's like, oh, stop, what's happening? I honestly almost expected cool Uncle Ned to like fold his fingers together like Mr. Burns as he was going like, oh, yes, this is work fine. Right. It also seems to rely on a lot of assumptions about how it'll kind of go. Yeah. It's like, what if we make this thing happen? And also we convince this guy to betray his friend. And then I successfully argue the case. And then Jamie's free. If all that stuff just goes exactly how I said. But also when you get into any scene where it's just like this big exposition bomb from a character, I feel like you're treading in dangerous waters. As uh, our, our showrunner aptly called out uh, someone on, on our show. And again, not that, you know, not to, like, I don't want to compare like one to the other or, or anything most certainly. But, you know. Oh, oh no, 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 yeah. no, no. A lot of this episode is just straight up goddamn exposition. It's exposition, and when and I feel like when that doesn't get called out, it's like because we were we were trying to do something obviously different in a different world, but you know where that required a lot of explaining exposition. And our showrunner was like, "Yeah, but here's the thing: it's called shooter, not learner." 
Like it's not about Bunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it's that but I feel like that kind of universally applies that it's like no one wants to sit there if you have to sit there and explain it that much in any sort of show like to your characters I'm doing air quotes but really to your audience mm. then you're reaching for it and we can all see what you're doing right and there are more graceful and more graceless ways to do that I mean they are uh, a common complaint it's not really a complaint an observation about like the West Wing is often they put a lot of this exposition in the mouth of CJ Craig the press secretary because she's explaining it for context to the press corps but it's obviously meant for the audience you know and it's like that's a slightly more graceful way to do this Mm -hmm. than oh remember that time that your husband was having a conversation with someone near you and you remembered every detail yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah Yeah. so we go from there to claire versus leary and we find out that of course leary planted the is it ill luck or is it ill wish wish. so we learn that Galus actually sold her the wish. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because Leary is maybe the like the worst spy in the history of the world because Claire basically shows up and is like, "I know you did this." And Leary's like, "I don't know what that is." And then one second later is like, "I did do that cuz I hate you and these are my accomplices." I'm actually going to make a point here that I think Leary is She's a terrible character. Not not even just a sense of like, oh, she's a terrible person. Like she's not consistent. She well, no, no, no. It's no, no. She's very consistent in that she's incredibly like awful at every turn. Like she never makes a decision. She never changes or grows. And honestly, every aspect of her character is very one note. Um, like she is next to BJR, she's a straight up antagonist. Yeah, she's not. I wish they had rounded her out a bit more. That's what I mean. Is yeah. like some sort of death or some sort of direction of yeah. why she's yeah. this way or something like more interesting than just I exist to obsess over Jamie and nothing else, and, and also to hate Claire. Uh, but I do want to point out where um, Claire now is finally using the power of fashion. Uh, something I know, Nick, yes. you were talking about within the episode, yes. but now that she is sort of acclimated to the world she's gotten married she has some status she is using and wielding that fashion uh in a way that the rest of the i know you guys can't see us on a podcast or but if you go well, back and you watch should the be episode, watching the show you should be watching or re-watching the show but yeah claire is looking very elegant and high and mighty through this whole episode um a lot of different looks killing it every time a lot very, of fur yeah very icy sort of yeah style regal Queenly, yeah, buttoned up, but like high neck things. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes the neck's so high that it's completely detached from the rest of the outfit. As we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get yes. to that. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, she's like definitely looming over little Leary, you know, in her little kitchen wench corset with her hair down. She looms over everyone. She's looming over everybody. Yeah. So we go then to try to find Galus, where Claire goes to try to find Galus at her wonderful little witch den full of potions. And we, of course, encounter the fartsman, her husband. <laughs> Honestly, I this, mean... This man does nothing but manufacture farts. That's He's he's a prolific farter. Well, he's also like the magistrate or something, right? Like He has some sort of judicial power. Oh, no, 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 no. Same thing. Fartsman. Very good, very good. We learn from the chambermaid there that Gillis has gone into the woods, and Claire goes and tracks her down, and witnesses as... You said basically a S factor. But basically, yeah, Sheila Kelly S factor. I'm going to do a plug for the type of erotic feminine pole dancing that I do, and sometimes have taken Don's wife to go do with me. But I'm like, oh yeah, that's S factor. That's what we do. So she's dancing around, very sexy in the woods. Uh, but this is like a thing for her pregnancy, and she's got a voodoo doll and some 
fire and it's sexy sort of witchcrafty very i want a druidy thing and they're intercutting between the druids dancing to let you know that claire is kind of making that connection and then she very mysteriously is like claire you know come out you can come out from watching but she likes having an audience yeah and again we see the power of fashion that galus is basically naked just in like a little bit of gauze and her hair is down and you know the wind the icy wind is whipping her nipples as she likes to point out her words not mine yes as uh, hard as acorns i believe you wrote that down yes it's an important point uh but then you see claire hair up furs buttoned up you know the ice queen cometh sort of these two sort of at odds women both wielding their powers in different ways by being completely covered and completely exposed. That's true, yeah. It's one of those things where, like, if they'd played more into that, I think it would have been better. Yeah. And I think there were definitely, it's like, the fact that we're straight up noticing Claire's very restrained kind of, like, fashion sense yeah. during this episode, which I'm convinced fashion maybe didn't exist before Claire. Right, yeah, it, that's true. Like, I, I feel yeah. like she's going and telling, like, mm-hmm. the, the castle seamstress. This is what I would like. Yes. Yeah, she's creating fashion. Like, the true hero yeah. of this castle is the seamstress. Yeah. Yeah. She's we, working overtime because these things are. Mrs. Potts are I want to follow her yeah. story. But it's, it's also interesting that, um, that Galus even, you know, she makes a dig at Claire and she's like, oh, this is probably not for you. Your people are very prudish or very cold. And she's trying to take a dig at Claire. But as we saw from both the beginning of this episode and every episode is a big part of her character is how lusty and passionate she is. That she's not cold at all. But her power in sort of her pedestrian social life doesn't come from wielding her sexuality. It's just, it's yeah. a different choice between she's, she and she's Galus. A, she's like a Muslim, she's a sexually liberated woman. Yes. And Galus is also very powerful and strong and independent, but it's it's the sort of thing that we try to say in like memes and on the Twitter, you know, as third wave mm. feminists, that it's like whether you're completely naked or completely covered as long as it's your choice and it's empowered, yeah. that's a good thing. And I think by showing these two women and their dichotomy, even if they don't necessarily understand each other, that they are both, you know, strong, empowered women, especially for the time period, and mm. that's good. And neither are prudish or slutty. That someone could point to either of them and use yeah. those words. No, no. The only thing I'll yeah. describe Gillis as, as is sassy. Yes. We learn that Gillis and Dougal are having. I guess it's fair because she's married and he's married. <laughs> that is the that is the definition, definition of affair. Of affair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're having an affair, and they have produced a love child. Yes. She is yeah. totes. Which quickly leads into them, Gillis and Claire, walking through the woods. They're talking about the magic involved, and you have the scene where the most skeptical magic stones time traveler. Yeah, and then what's amazing is that Claire is straight up like the scully to Gillis's molder. Yes. Because Claire, you have straight up time magic time traveled lady. And yet you're like, mm, magic is it's not so, it's, it's not real. I'm a lady of science. That leads us into a baby crying in the woods, yeah. which is really tragic because Galus kind of straight up dismisses it as, oh, it's just a changeling. Yeah, don't worry. The fairies stole a baby and they replaced it with this changeling that looks exactly like a baby, except that it's crying and sick. Uh, but if you leave it outside in the woods overnight, the fairies will bring it back. And, and they'll just stop crying. I don't know what. Yeah, and then it'll be a great baby if it makes it through the night. It's like a weird, like, house on Haunted Hill thing. Like, if you can survive in this tree all night, baby, you can come back inside the house. Well, it's also yeah. a very Spartan idea with babies that you leave the baby in the tree overnight. And if it survives and it's strong enough to be a Spartan, and if it dies, then it wasn't worth your time. 
So Claire, when she goes up to this baby, you know, suddenly there's magic fog for no, no reason, reason whatsoever. And the baby Wait, stops crying. Leaves. Yeah, yeah. It, it turns super magical super quickly. And then the baby's crying long enough for Claire to like rock up to the baby and then is instantly already dead. Yeah. Like right before she gets there. Yeah. Like I'm not questioning what the kind of motivation of it was, which is, I guess, to show her like how cruel what was the kind of the intent of what that was going to give the audience in terms of watching that? Like, what what's the kind of the underlying? I think they're se- they're setting us up for that. the next episode, but they're letting us know that it's a um, like a mystic culture. It's a kind of mm. backwards magical. Like they don't superstitious. Believe- superstitious. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah, they don't believe in science. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That they are. Yeah. That- I'll, I'll reverse my previous statement because I do agree with you, especially with how the episode ends. Yeah. That that, that, that yeah. is what the they're setting was it up for. that it's not a factual world, that it's an it's an emotional superstitious world. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah. so Jamie manages to find Claire because uh, Gail's told him where she was. Well, they eventually explain this, but in the moment, it's like, oh, hey, I was just riding this horse. Anyway, Claire, what's up? You got a baby or something? <laughs> so. They, uh, Jamie puts the baby back and does the genuflection as we finally get introduced to the Duke of Sandringham. And this guy, and like, as I was saying, as we watched the episode, like, I've never used this word before, but this is like the perfect definition of it. But that guy is a 100% total fop. Foppish to the extreme. Yeah. The Duke of Sangria. Yeah, the Duke, of Sangria. the Duke of Sangria is 100% fop. Right down uh, to telling you how much of a lady killer he is. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, and even, I mean, back after the you know, the um, cunnilingus scene when Claire is like, I know something about him, but you can't tell me, like, I can't tell you how I know and you can't ask. And Jamie's like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. I know he's into boys. When I was 19, right. he came to visit my home, yeah. but it was just flirting. It didn't escalate. And Claire's like, what? No. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to <laughs> that talk about. super doesn't matter. Don't worry that's about right. it. Uh, anyway, yeah, he's a fan of uh, Jack Black's. What, what, his sexuality may be a little fluid there. He may be ahead of his time. Bit of a groundbreaker. And he, I mean, he's, he's the original. He's the OG pedo bear. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's and he's also doing this, like, Sun King look that's like the most extreme royal version with the wigs and the golden cloaks and whatever he is. Which is extra yeah. silly in Scotland. And he even says, he's like, ugh, Scotland. And it's, yeah, talking about the power of fashion or how people communicate with fashion. He really wants to let you know he wishes, yeah, he was in a French court and not here. Yeah. He goes on to tell us that he believes that Jack Black is, <laughs> is it, completely... Yeah. Like legitimate. Also, like this is the thing I realized. Just like Nixon, he's recording everything. Yes, that everyone <laughs> says in this room. He's got a court stenographer in his home, in his living room. But but much like Nixon, he's just like no 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 no. Don't record that. Just the good bits. Just the good bits. Yeah. I want to go back and read those later. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's super creepy and a little less effective than like turning the tape recorder off in the conversation with the reporter is to dismiss a servant who definitely still heard what you said <laughs> but maybe hasn't written it down yet Claire threatens uh, the Duke of Sangria mm-hmm. with the knowledge that he's been supporting the Jacobite cause yes. and he basically just shuts her down as soon as she gets back to the castle Tweedledee and Dumb show up telling tell how Dougal's wife suddenly died conveniently after we just learned she existed 
That's something. That's a character that they fairly never wanted to cast. Yeah, they just Rochester. Just did not bother. (laughs) They were like, "Oh, here she exists, and now she's dead." (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But also, conveniently, after Galus did her witchy ass factor in the woods, which we don't know what that was about or not, but his wife mysteriously died. So Dougal is blind drunk. Colum just immediately says, "Like, give him a sedative." Dougal is super upset that his wife is dead while he's busy, like putting babies in other ladies' wombs. I think as part of his guilt, though. Mm. I would agree with you, except for what happens a little later. Like, the straight-up fight that he says, man, in so many words, she was ugly, but I'm worse. She uh, deserved better than me. Yeah. She wasn't easy on the... Uh, no, no one but a blind man would call her Bonnie, but uh, yeah. she deserved better than me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah he feels kind of like... Pretty there. standard husband stuff to say, you know. You know. You know. Husbandly things. Yeah. So this episode, like, it, it moves in ways that... I guess makes sense, but also kind of don't, because we then go to Galus with Claire at the market, and Galus getting all smarmy about her husband and uh, Dougal's wife, like she died from a fever. Yeah, they're not masters of deception. Galus is just like, oh, you wouldn't begrudge me a little bit of happiness that someone died. It's like, she just died. Give it a day. Then we go back to the Duke, who's still 100% fop, as Blackjack, we learn that he's going, spouting off like, oh, all these accusations against Blackjack. And the guy is straight up like supervillain monologuing. Like, it, it does credit to just how stupid Jamie is to buy into any of this. Yeah, you get this thing where the Duke of Sandringham is literally like, I barely know the man. But also, if we were best friends, what of it? There's nothing wrong with it. It's like the most guilty thing you it, could it's say. Like when I, it's all double talk. When even, yeah, the Duke's proposition to Jamie, where it's like, I'll give you what you want. You just have to do this one thing for me. That it's like, what could possibly go wrong from making this devil's bargain or like this Faustian deal? And Jamie's like, okay, that sounds good. He's a vaudevillian villain. That's what it is. It it just clicks. I'll trust you. Well, but then what's funny, yeah, not to jump ahead too much, but it's like he, yeah, he gives Jamie this weird devil's bargain where it's like, you have to be my second at this duel. And it's like, God, how is this going to go horribly wrong? And Jamie's like, it's fine. And then it is fine. Nothing goes wrong except for Jamie. Well, no, he actually, doesn't. He does. He provokes them. He does. He could have just walked away. Like it's after Jamie. Fair gets, yeah. Yeah. Like if he, Jamie he didn't have to like yeah. throw his not clever insult over his shoulder, it would not have escalated more. So that is the yeah. it's like jokes on Jamie yet again. So we go to Deathly Lock with Sangram. This is where you can now bring back Claire's wonderful sense of fashion. Your favorite oh, piece she wears yeah. this whole episode. She's got on this like fur collar thing that says, My neck was cold, but my boobs weren't. It's just like this. I don't know what you would do with it otherwise. It looks amazing. Don't it, get me wrong. It's a very but it's... thick fur collar that happened to come with a dress. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a very a low, low cut, cut bustier dress. dress, and then what? Like maybe like five inches, like however long. Yeah, of fur just like stacked around her neck. I will. I will say uh, there is some credit to be given here because the you know the last thing like the Duke of Sandringham said to her in their last meeting was basically like, "Oh, such a pretty neck. It'd be a shame to separate it from your body. Write that down, boy." Or from and your then, head, yeah. Yeah, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna come Protect over here my with neck. my neck yeah. covered up." It's uh, there's some there's some symbolism there. Mm-hmm. During the feast, we immediately have the death of the fartsman, mm-hmm. uh, who dies in a pretty horribly spectacular manner, as the guy is damn near clenching, like reaching and clenching for his butt, and that poor sound designer. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no. That might have been like the best day for him. He's <laughs> yeah. like. 
like, okay, what do I have to do? Like, oh yeah, battle, yeah, whatever. Oh, oh, farts. You want like all the farts? Like, I got a whole library here. I, I believe you actually named the episode earlier, yeah. and it's the Ice Queen Cometh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun on a couple levels. Yeah. Couple levels. Yeah, true, why, yeah. why aren't we naming these episodes? Why, what are they doing with by the pricking of my thumbs? That's true. Well, I mean, we're naming our podcast episodes, which is, you know, way more fun. Yes. Uh, the Death of the Fartsman, and <laughs> we immediately establish that Galus has, like, the, just the... Well, she's pregnant, so it fits. But the most pregnant pause before then, she like, oh, my husband, whoa, like he's dead. Yeah. And it, but the thing is, like, there was that like, is the lady doth protest too much. There is your Scottish right. lady. That's that's the, that's the real part. There it is. But yeah, because the thing is, like, we're watching most of this in real time until this moment, and it's like a good solid like thirty, forty seconds have passed. Like Claire's had time to run up. And start like smacking this guy's back, right? While she's not doing anything. Yeah, Claire performs the most advanced medicine <laughs> of the day, which involves rolling the guy on his side <laughs> and hoping that he doesn't die, and, and then his back, yeah. and smacking his back, and then rolling him back over <laughs> and just shaking her head. We did all we could. We go from the death of the Fartsman to the, in terms of the actual duel, the least climactic duel. Yes. Um, with, like, not even, like, much build-up. We just kind of, like, show up to, like, two dudes going to, like, shoot yeah. each other. Okay, cool. Bang. Yeah. Cool. We're alive. Yeah, again, that's what like, they've set this thing up to be so sinister and clearly a double cross for Jamie. And then it's not. It's fine. It's this very civil, social sort of outing where it's like, well, okay, thanks, Jamie. And Sandringham, you know, is like, all right, you kept your agreement. I guess we're good. Let me go get your paperwork. And everything's fine. Yeah, and I think, you know, in in some weird ways, this is actually, like, a more realistic depiction of a duel than we see in some things. With, like, the incredible drama of it. And it's like, when when you get down to it, it's two dudes standing outside with not very good guns, not very far apart, (laughs) shooting sort of at each other one one time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten dwarf commandments. Yeah, that is... Anyway, I hope no one jokes about having sex with anyone's mothers, and we'll be fine. Especially if they're from dueling clans. So, as you can tell, things descend down into a straight-up brawl as Jamie uh, kills... The other seconds, yeah. Yeah. Like these like, he... punk Scots kids like that are the seconds yeah, on both they're... sides. Like... If this had been like set, like, you know... 800 years later, they'd have skateboards. Yeah, basically. They're like, oh, well, you know, your mom's fat or like whatever. Yeah, they just start hurling stupid schoolboy insults at each other. And Jamie takes the bait. Which ends with Jamie straight up like killing these guys. Well, I think they sort of imply you see them in in classic TV fashion after they've been dispatched. They're all still rolling around on the ground to indicate they haven't been totally murdered. There's at least two guys he straight up like stabbed in the gut. Yeah, but he gets stabbed too. He gets, he gets, know, he gets so. a nick. I think the implication is that he doesn't actually he kill anyone. Because okay, what did yes? What I actually do love about this is that we go from Jamie being like, "Oh God, I'm 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 cut, man, I'm cut, man," to the Duke just coming like, "Oh yes, ooh, like oh let me let me do this little thing for you, ooh, peace out." Just like yeah. completely dropping. It's like it's one thing to shoot at another man in the head, but to get in a fight. A brawl. Push, push, a common brawl. And so, yeah, we find out his real character. But, he fops you know. away. I know, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, that's the sound he's running. Yes. He's like, fop, 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 fop. Yeah, yes, basically. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then we can see, we see Claire has to sew him up. She finds the opportunity to continue her Ice Queen routine and gives him the coldest of shoulders while she's repairing his wound. Well, she's been preparing this entire episode for that. We go to, once again, kind of flashbacks to the last episode. Yeah. The last half of last episode, which is Colm is really angry with Dougal. Again. Yeah. (laughs) And also angry with Jamie. Again, Again. as he tells Colin, basically because everyone knows that Galus poisoned the Fartsman. It's a well-known secret. So Colin sends Dougal away and then tells Jamie, like, you have to go with them to make sure that this guy doesn't screw up anything else, but no Claire. You're not allowed to have your Claire whatsoever. Needless to say, Jamie's upset about that. Yeah. Also, I don't quite get what that was supposed to do to Jamie. Like, as, even as, like, a punishment, it's not... I think it keeps him from running away with her. Like, it gives him a reason to come back. Okay, fair enough. And, like, she's collateral, basically. So we... Uh, Claire gets a not-suspicious-at-all note from Galus saying, Come meet me. Galus! Right. Immediately. Yeah. So right. she does. So she rushes to her friend's aid. Who we already know is not much of a friend. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not only that. So Claire shows up as like, I came because of your note. And Galus is like, oh, I think someone's tricking you. And because we know it's like totally innocent prank time here in Scotland. Right. Where Claire, no consequences ever happen where, to Where like the wish thing is supposed to like cause death and terrible things to happen to you. Right. Yeah. That's the last prank we saw was someone trying to kill you with magic. So where Claire should read at get out and get out. Yeah. She's like, what? I don't know. Anyway, Galish, you should leave. And is like really a really good friend to her and is trying to convince her to flee the scene of her crime because she totally murdered her husband. And this is actually something I will say is that this feels honest to God really inconsistent with Claire. For a character that we know has been in a goddamn war that is all about trust and how much you can trust the people around you. For her to give so much trust to Galus feels really not in line with who her character would be. She's smarter than that. Yeah. Well, and also for her to be that altruistic like Galus. Like, she, Claire has been looking out for Claire to will, survive. Like, okay. not in a bad way. I think the only reason they set that up at all in any way well is because Galus is pregnant. Yeah, but with Dougal's baby, and it's not like she's the biggest Dougal fan. I mean, like, that would know. be the other thing that they're setting up with the dead changeling thing, though. That's is what that saying. Claire is, like, you know, wishing for a baby and doesn't have one and just held a dead baby in her arms, and here's a woman who's got a baby in her and mm. is in danger, you know? Yeah. She's like, no, really, you should leave. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess I buy it. It just, it just feels a little easy it feels a little convenient oh, no, no, considering immediately mm-hmm. there's more pounding on the door and oh my god it's the cops right and then and we Claire's get... like we could leave out the kitchen you should go like there, there's a back escape and rather than just taking it herself she decides to stick around with Galus who refuses to leave well Claire at that point doesn't seem to really understand yet that she's also going to get caught up in this she hasn't made the connection between the note and her getting pranked yeah yeah to like right. why yeah why she'd be framed at being at Galus's yeah. which like, seems inconsistent because normally she's smarter than that and she's a couple steps ahead this whole thing is a little suspect here because I don't know. It it seems plainly obvious. Like if someone sends you a note, it's like be in this place, and then oh, the cops showed up. Nick, you're gonna get a, a really convenient message from me. A note yeah. written in old style text. Yeah, well, that's how I know it's real. <laughs> yeah, you're a calligrapher. Like it's gonna say like go to this site down by the water. 
at midnight. Sounds good. Be there. I'll see you there, Don. Make sure to empty your bank account and have it in cash for being your best friend, Don. Yeah, I guess he needs help. Total legit reasons. Yep. I'll get all $120 out of my <laughs> bank account and bring them down. <laughs> Don't you worry. They'll be there. Worth it. <laughs> Easy peasy. Well, and then we, okay, so the wardens come in. Yeah. And they, they're like, we're, we're. We're arresting you, Galus, for your witchcraft. Oh, and this one, too. Well, Claire's bum, like, bum, what bum. do you mean? On what charges? She, like, jumps in. She doesn't even kind of hang out to the background. They're like, well, while we're at it, let's arrest you, too. And then they get thrown in a, let's be honest, a little bit overdone with the rustiness yeah. jail paddy wagon. And Leary is somehow perfectly in line with Claire's line of sight right out whatever window she was looking out Leary of. is leering? Yes. It's yes. a pretty on-the-nose name. So that is our episode. Uh, next episode, we'll find out all about... The mm. totally fair Scottish judicial system yes. of the time that tries women's for the crime of witchcraft. So this week, we are drinking... Uh, so it's Glen Levitt uh, 12 here. It's a single much Scotch whiskey. It is delicious. Everyone here has enjoyed it, had multiple glasses. Uh, even Meredith said, quote... It's not horrible. It's not horrible. That is high praise. Put that Coming on the from bottle. Our very fine producer. <laughs> Coming from a woman who normally makes a sour face and like spits it out, no matter how great it is. It's sweet. It's smooth. The bottle says it is rich and elegant, or it's beautifully rich and it has elegant flavors. You know what? I'll agree with that. Yes. It, yeah. it, the thing is, like, so we we drank a lot of scotch on this this far. Yep. We're only in episode ten. It's been a really long day. It yeah. Uh, we've we've Wait, was this bottle full when we started this episode? Yes. The, okay, so it is down below like the second label. It's almost empty. Kitty, kitty. No, so we're we're giving them a rollicking Gaelic guys endorsement. This is a very drinkable scotch. And that is our episode for this week. Uh, thank you for listening and as always, tell a friend, tell an enemy. That's the best way that we'll get this the word out out there about Write a review. on the iTunes yeah appreciate you can drink scotch and then do it it can be fun it can be witty and that's our episode for this week thank you again and uh, we'll see you next week